Good morning. What a wonderful opportunity we have this day to break bread together through the exploration of God's word, promises, and charge for us to keep. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this moment and we don't take it for granted, for there are those, even this week, who did not see today. So we give you great praise in advance for what you are doing and will do. And it is in the name of your Son, our wonderful Savior, that we pray together and say, Amen. This morning, I want to focus in on the power of choice and encourage us all to dig deeply into taking up agency with our faith. So I'd like to reflect in together just briefly on the topic, the choice is yours. Today's gospel text in John chapter 12 presents us with a choice. The text highlights the ultimate choice that we have in choosing God over ourselves, of choosing to deny ourselves for the sake of following and serving God. I know that many of us conceptually agree with this choice on the surface, but let's dig a little deeper. What does choice really mean? This season of Lent is a season about discernment and choice. When fasting during Lent, we're choosing to deny our desires and ourselves to seek God's desires all the more. When we commit to observe Lent, we are choosing to focus on Jesus by symbolically replicating Jesus's sacrifice and withdrawal into the desert for 40 days. We're choosing to deny ourselves for the sake of Christ. So in the gospel text of John today, the writer amplifies our choice as believers. Do you hear the choice in the reading of the text? This is what a portion of the text sounds like when our choice is brought to the forefront. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now listen to the choice. Those who choose to love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world and choose to live for Christ will keep it for eternal life. Whoever chooses to serve me must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant, the one who has chosen me, be also. Whoever chooses to serve me the Father will honor. Will you choose not to love your life, your ambitions, your desires, and your comfort, but to live a life that is dedicated to Jesus and God's will? Will we choose to serve and truly follow Jesus, even like Jesus when our soul is troubled? Will we choose to first glorify God rather than glorify ourselves and our longings and desires? It's one thing to say, that you receive Jesus into your heart and believe on him and are saved. It's another thing to choose to love your enemies and to love the unlovable. It's another thing to mourn with those who mourn like the families of the victims of these horrible shootings here in Atlanta. 
It's another thing to choose, to choose justice over comfort and to stretch yourself to connect and be proximate and join in beloved community with those who are different, who may not agree with your politics or your religion, who are different races, who are different, come from different socioeconomic classes or those who grew up on the other side of the tracks. So let's dive deeper into the challenge of making choices and discerning those choices. How many decisions do you make each day? When to wake up, what to wear, where to go, whom to call, whom to text, what to post on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok. Should I go to class or go to work? Should I zoom into that meeting or stay in the bed? Should I respond to that crazy text message? Social scientists estimate that we make thousands of choices each day. And with what many consider the wonderful blessing of technology, our options for choosing have increased exponentially. I mean, just look in your grocery store aisle or those who are shopping online. In my grocery store, the average number of options for cookies are 699 different types of cookies. I mean, I love cookies, but that's a lot of choices. There are 756 options for chips in my grocery store. So let's not even start with the options online. We often equate freedom with choice and choice with freedom. We equate choice and freedom with democratic values. Choice is tied up in free will. Even Adam and Eve had choices, even though looking back there seems so much simpler, but oh, what an impact one choice can make. The current reality of too many choices is what researcher Barry Schwartz calls choice overload. He states that as the number of options increase, the costs in time and effort of gathering the information needed to make a good choice also increase. He says that the level of certainty people have about their choice decreases and the anticipation that they will regret their choices increase. Schwartz goes on to state that too many choices actually lead to paralysis and prevents people from making sound choices at all. He goes on to talk about in his book, The Paradox of Choice, that the reason everything seemed so much better way back then is because we had limited choices compared to today. Nowadays, he writes, the world we live in affluent industrialized citizens with perfection being the expectation, the best you can ever hope for is that stuff is as good as you expect it to be. He says that you'll never be pleasantly surprised because your expectations, my expectations have gone through the roof. So he sums it up by saying the secret to happiness, and this is what everyone wants to know, is low expectations. <laughs> I remember when I was a senior in high school and I was ready to go off to college because I was what? Grown. I was like, I can't wait to go into the real world. My father said then, just wait. When you go, you'll want me to help you make decisions. I'm like, no way. I just want to get out of this house. So I get out of the house. I go to the real world. I'm in college and I'm like, what major? What classes? Who do I connect with? Who are my trusted relationships? So I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I don't even know how to discern between all of this. And all of a sudden that conversation came back and I thought he was right. Sometimes we have to narrow down our choices and chime into what really matters. Not the number of cookies, not the options of chips, but ultimately 
faith. That's what the Lenten season is all about. It allows us to narrow down our lives by turning from distractions to focusing in on God and our relationship with God. So today, let's look at a choice in our faith context. Our text in John 12 presents a choice between loving our lives or dying to self, to serve God and live for God. It harkens back to the Old Testament pericope where Joshua, when he's on his way to lying down his last time, he's led the Israelites to the promised land. And he says before leaving, choose you this day whom you will serve. In this text, Joshua is basically delivering his last will and testament. And on the eve of his death, he leaves the Israelites with a choice. At the beginning of the book of Joshua, God gives Joshua all these promises. Remember, he says, be strong and courageous and everywhere you place your foot will be yours. He then says, and as you go, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we fast forward from Joshua chapter one to Joshua 24, and here God has shown them through those 24 chapters all that God can do. And even yet, Joshua has to say to them, choose, which means some of them weren't choosing. He has to call out how God brought them forth from the father, brought forth the father of your faith, Abraham, how God delivered them from slavery, how God brought them into their promised land, and still they have to choose? What does that tell us today? God may have brought you over some mountains or through some mountains or around some mountains. God has, has healed, God has given, God has provided, and yet God still has to put a choice before us. It's almost like, really? Shouldn't we just automatically choose? But that's the freedom, that's the free will. So today, the choice is yours. You've got to wake up and realize that you have a choice, that this faith thing doesn't just happen. It in requires engagement and embodiment of the word of God. It requires that you take up agency and act out your faith. It's not just singing a song when someone else is leading it or praying a prayer that someone else is leading. It means you are praying, that your heart is committed to God. We've got to wake up and realize we have a choice and an agency in this faith walk. We've also got to realize that even though things have not gone the way we wanted them to go, that even though we may have made mistakes in our past, that our past can't lull us into inaction, that our shame and our guilt can't trap us in isolation, during this wonderful season of Lent, may you hear the whispers of God again to encourage your spirit and your heart to remind you, I have a choice. I don't have to stay in this pit, but I can stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. Oh, God came to the cross for you and for me to have a choice. So we've got to come to ourselves. We've got to, like the prodigal son who was wallowing in the mud with the pig, say, wait a second. I have a father who's promised me greatness and reward and because of that promise I can get up again and come back to myself. God wants us to come to ourselves, to wake up and realize that we have a choice, to remind ourselves 
of our God, our Father and our Mother God. For our God is rich in houses and land. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Our God is the one who created us while in our mother's womb. And because of this great God, loves us so much that he says, I don't force you into relationship, but I give you a choice. He says, return unto me, that's a choice, and I'll return unto you. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. Wake up and realize you have a choice, and once you realize it, do as the prodigal son did, arise, get up, act out your faith and your realization. I want to see some Christians who believe God, not just believe in God, believe God enough to act on God's promises, to act on God's call, to act on God's commands. For faith without works is dead. We've got to get up. We've got to wake up. We've got to start living this life. We don't want to be, as the writer of Revelation says, that you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. We want to be alive, to live out this wonderful reward of life that God has given us in such a way that we transform the very grounds on which we tread. This reminder of choice is something that we as humans apparently need. Howard Thurman says, every battle that you win, you must win over and over again for as long as you're living and growing and experiencing and developing. That's why we have Lent every year. We need the reminder. That's why we have practice and liturgy because it reminds us it reminds us of who we are and whose we are. So forgive again, love again, try again, choose to live for Christ again. The choice is yours. Make the choice to live for Christ. Turn from your selfish ways. Turn from clinging to comfort. Like the prodigal son, come to yourself and get up. For when we do so, we do make one of the hardest decisions of humankind, to choose God over ourselves. We may think that we've broken too many promises, that we've disqualified ourselves from the promises of God, but you can still choose God today. This forgiveness of sins thing is real. This cleansing of heart thing is real. This restoration of the joy of your salvation is real. And when you choose God, you join good company. You join Ruth who chose God. You join Esther. You join the disciples. You join Paul. You join Martin Luther King Jr. You join Mandela, Mary McLeod Bethune. You join your mothers and your fathers in the faith. You join the standard bearers. Choose to serve and follow God. And where God is, there you shall be also. The choice is yours. Amen.